Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and we should be talking about spring training games right now. But instead, we are stuck talking about labor agreements, about lockouts, and now Major League Baseball has officially canceled the first two series of the regular season because they were not able to get a deal done with the players union and this lockout will continue to drag on and frankly major league baseball and the players union they cannot get out of their own way they are screwing this up left and right and it was actually interesting monday night because they looked like you know the reports coming out to the reporters the stuff being leaked indicated that they were actually heading towards a deal. Now, was that all just Major League Baseball manipulating the uh, writers that they have in their pocket? Not in their pocket, but, you know, the ones that they feed information to. And manipulating public perception so that the players look bad when the players reject the offer? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. But there was a moment Monday night on baseball Twitter where, you know, they actually had a really great reality TV show going where the whole, you know, all of baseball Twitter was kind of tuned into this agreement possibly coming together. I actually ended up falling asleep on the couch with the dog and woke up at one in the morning and got to check in on some late night tweets that I normally wouldn't have seen till the next morning. And so, yeah, I I, uh, crawl up to bed and I'm scrolling through Twitter, looking at the updates, thinking maybe we will. Maybe we will get this deal done. But nope. Then they try a crazy PR stunt on Tuesday where they make it look like the players are the problem. Their tone has changed. um, When both sides have been stubborn as hell. Now, I get where the players are coming from. They have clearly decided that this... CBA agreement is the line in the sand for them. They will not budge. They're going to sacrifice so that next generations of baseball players have a better arrangement with the owners than they currently have. I get it. I get the strategy here. They're not going to accept a so-so deal. They're not going to, oh, you moved up a million dollars, five million dollars. Okay, we'll take it. Right, They're not going for that. They're taking a big swing here, and they are not going to settle. So you respect that. You got to respect that, right? The owners, the owners' offers have frankly been terrible. They've shown, it's like, I just bought a new car. Guess what? You can't negotiate a car anymore. Those days are gone. You go, I called eight different car dealerships around Northeast Ohio, all selling the same car. Every one of them, same thing. Price is the price, man. I mean, maybe we'll give you an extra 100 bucks on your trade-in, but price is the price. You can't negotiate anymore. It's done. And, uh, yeah, you can't negotiate for a house anymore. You have to offer, like, $20 million, $30 million, $40 million over the asking price of a house just to get it, just to have your offer considered. You have to have escalators. You can't negotiate down a house, price of a house anymore. Days of negotiating are done. And that's exactly what we're seeing from Major League Baseball right now. Their their offers aren't getting that much better. 
right? In some huge categories like this bonus pool money for, you know, pre-ARB players that are huge impact guys. Fernando Tatis Jr.'s of the world, right? Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s of the world. Basically, if you have a junior at the end of your name. They're, they're like $50 million apart on what they think a fair bonus pool would be for those kind of players. Right? The, um, the luxury tra- tax threshold. They want them to come up so that salaries will be increased. No, they're sticking with their $220 million. That's the, you know, Major League Baseball is barely budging off that. And then the minimum for, uh, uh, you know, for rookies, you know, for pre-arb players. They're, they're barely budging on that. So I get where the players are coming from because it's hard to negotiate with someone who won't negotiate. Now, obviously, the... The angriest people are always going to be the loudest people, right? So the people you hear on Twitter constantly complaining that baseball's dead. Baseball's lost me forever. You know, this is a dying sport. You know, those people are always going to be the loudest. You're going to hear them on Twitter. You're going to hear them on the radio. Chances are, that is not what the average fan feels. I'm guessing the average fan is kind of like me. Whatever. I'll watch Cavs games until baseball comes back. Will I will I go out of my way to watch my local college team or watch minor league baseball? Maybe those things are really hard to access. Right? They're 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 not televised. It, you know, maybe you could pick up a live stream or something like that on a college website, but it's probably a webcam set up in the press box with a student calling the game. Like, it's just, it's just hard to access. Like, if there was easy access to it, maybe. But I'll probably just watch Cavs games until baseball comes back. There's some decent TV out there right now. But frankly, like, when baseball comes back, fine. I'll be there. We were there for the 60 games in 2020. And if they play 152 games, if they play 140 games, whatever. We'll be there. We love the sport of baseball, right? We grew up playing baseball. We love the sport of baseball. We'll be there. Those casual fans that they're worried about losing, they like drinking beer in the summer and hanging out outside. So in July, on an 80-degree night in Cleveland, when there's good beer deals down at the stadium, will they be there? Some fireworks after the game? Yeah, they'll probably be there. Like, we can all get upset. But chances are, when they finally figure this thing out, we'll be there. Another thing is, I'm frankly, I'm used to this. Like, I can't tell you how many times in my life, something that I love, it's like, nope, that's gone. I can't even find the breakfast cereal I like anymore. Fiber One Honey Clusters, I'll even tell you. Love it. Local grocery store, stop selling it. Local Target, stop selling it. Heinen's is the only grocery store in town that still sells Fiber One Honey Clusters. Why? I don't know. It was a popular cereal. Love, I'm a, I have an addiction to mint M&M's. Can't get enough of those mint M&M's. Local CVS's, stop selling them. Why? I don't know. Because apparently anything that you like ends up disappearing. Love a TV show? That's probably getting canceled. 
Love a sport, can't figure out their labor agreement. It's just life. So you try not to get too wrapped up in these things. I mean, hell, we listen to this obsessive baseball podcast. Uh, you know, and I'm, I do it. So I guess we're a little too wrapped up in this. But you try not to get too wrapped up in these things, right? There'll be baseball. It'll get figured out. So hang in there. Hold tight. Watch some Cavs basketball. I don't know. Pick up a new sport, maybe. Maybe there is a college team that has a decent live stream on their, you know, athletics page. Check them out. I don't know. I don't know where you're going to go for your baseball fix. You know, minor league baseball is going to come back and start. I think the rubber Akron Rubber Ducks just tweeted out that they start April 12th. So there's that. So, yeah, I wish I had a good answer for you. But I also wish that the owners in Major League Baseball... I, I agree with this. I wish they cared enough about this game to, to not have wasted two months before they even started negotiating with the players, right? I wish Rob Manford cared enough about this game that he didn't look like he was having the time of his life canceling baseball games. Do you see the smile? It's like this guy has been preparing his entire life to cancel baseball games, to be in a heated labor dispute, to be at the negotiation table, just raking players over the coals. He's been waiting his whole life for this. This is his, you know, happy place. I'm surprised that the new version of MLB The Show, you don't get the, there's not a Rob Manfred mode where you get to just like screw over players in contract negotiations, right? That's the goal of the game. Because it looks like he's having the time of his life, smiling from ear to ear in that press conference, which was a weird, I mean, maybe it was just nervous energy, but it's a weird stance. It's a weird, it was a weird press conference to give. The Q&A with the reporters was really awkward. I mean, almost hostile at some points. So, yeah, I mean, just bizarre stuff throughout this entire labor negotiation. What I wanted to talk about, what we should be talking about now is spring training. I wanted to talk to you about what camp battles I was looking forward to. That's the baseball side of things that I wanted to talk about. But, you know, this news, they cannot get it right. And so we're stuck talking about this. Frankly, stuff that doesn't, I mean, does this, as far as Guardians fans go, does the, you know, the tax threshold threshold affect us? No, we have one of the cheapest owners in baseball. In fact, our owner might be one of the ones named as someone holding up this whole thing. They've clearly shown over the last few years that they care a lot more about making the money than spending the money. And the you know the gall on Rob Manford to say that oh baseball's been hurting over the last five years. It's you know revenues have been really tough over the last five years. Bull, absolute bull. Come on, you're talking a billion dollar industry. NBC is ready to throw hundreds of millions of dollars at you to broadcast games. 
I, we don't believe for a second that the revenues of baseball have been tough over the last five years. Our revenues have been tough over the last five years. Wonder how much our salaries, the average Joe salary has gone up over the last five years compared to inflation. That ain't pretty. I think you're doing just fine, billionaire owners. So that, oh, man. Well, I'm not the only one mad. Uh, Friend of the show and frequent emailer, uh, Phil in Louisville, he emailed in, uh, and he is angry. Um, I get the distinct impression that the intransence has us careening towards another MLB strike or lockout season. He sent this on February 4th. Well, Phil, you nailed that one because, yeah, that's what we're heading towards right now. Uh, Well, the buck stops and starts with us fans. We need to strongly notify both sides that if one game of the season is lost, we can take a substantial hiatus or walk away altogether. We must not be taken for granted. And then he sent me the phone numbers for the MLB offices and the MLBPA. The MLB offices can be reached at 866-800-1275. You can get to a live person if you hang in there. And the MLBPA can be reached at 212-826-0809. So if you feel strongly like Phil does, I've left both I've let both sides know get a damn deal done now. If one day of the regular season is lost, I will reevaluate how my time and entertainment dollars should be spent going forward. So Phil is taking the extreme stance. Right? They cancel the game, Phil. I we'll see what Phil ends up doing here. Uh, I hope we don't lose Phil as a listener, but hey, I get it. You have to reevaluate how you're spending your time. Maybe you're going to listen to a Cavs podcast for a little bit because that's the sport that's actually playing and actually interesting right now. Um, so yeah, I'm not taking that as extreme a stance. Frankly, I don't let these things get me angry anymore. Not for a long time. Maybe for 10 minutes to rant to you on a podcast, but not for a long time. I'm going to go on with my day here. I'm going to go get some work done. Come home, hang out with my family. It's going to be a de- it's going to be an all right day. Uh, Phil also sent me an email. He enjoyed our Hall of Fame conversation, and apparently he got into it with a buddy about Pete Rose and getting into the Hall of Fame. And it sounded like what he sent me the whole transcript of the argument. And it sounds like one of those arguments where it's like, wait, are we arguing about the same thing? Yeah, what what are we getting mad about here? Uh, They were talking about how Rose did nothing wrong. Uh, His buddy was like, he did nothing wrong as a player. Why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? And uh, Phil was like, well, yeah, he he did things wrong when he was a manager. It's about character overall. And so him and his buddy got into it. But frankly, it seems like they're all of the mindset of let them all in. It's not about your character. It's about what you did on the field. So that's, you know, that's another, that's the follow-up email Phil sent from uh, uh, our Hall of Fame episode, that Hall of Fame conversation we had last time. So thank you, Phil, for joining in on the show and for emailing in. And anybody else who wants to email in at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. I'm here. I'm here to take your thoughts. I mean, if you're angry about the CBA and you're angry about these negotiations, email in. We'll talk about it. Be part of the show. So, Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. 
and you can join the show like Phil did. So thank you, Phil. Keep it coming. I hope, I hope you come back, even though they canceled some games. I hope you stay with us, Phil. Uh, so the one thing I did want to talk about, the one Guardians-related thing was, like I said, we should be talking about camp battles right now. So let's talk a little bit of Guardians baseball, because this is a Guardians podcast after all. And there were some things that I was looking forward to in spring training. There were some real battles that were going to go on. So here are my top three. Top three camp battles. There's some things that really aren't much of a battle going into this spring, which is good. Starting pitching. We kind of have a feeling where that's going. Maybe the fifth spot might you know, be up for contention, but not really. Uh, we pretty much could know who the five starters are going into this season and who the reinforcements are going to be to those five starters, right? So that's settled. We know the closer is going to be Emmanuel Classe. Uh, catcher, they might bring in some help, but I don't really see it as a camp battle. Um, I mean, Austin Hedges is going to be here. Whether they bring in some relief or Sandy Leone is your backup catcher, like it's not a battle. Now, here are the battles I see happening out there in a spring training. Whenever a spring training does start. Top three. Number three, first base. Now, I know you. I know that you know that I'm a big Bobby Bradley fan, right? But let's be honest here. He brought some decent power. But eh, on base percentage, batting average left a lot to be desired. He brought great range. I mean, nobody does the splits at first base like Bobby Bradley does. That dude definitely understands that you got to be flexible to play first base. So the defense was all right. The power was all right. Yeah, there's still more to be desired there. There's more growth that has to happen before we say Bobby Bradley is an everyday first baseman, right? Will he ever get to the levels of like Abreu in Chicago, right? Of what Miguel Cabrera was in Detroit? Is he going to be one of those Freddie Freeman in Atlanta? Like, that might be a pretty high bar for Bobby Bradley to kind of climb after. But could he be our everyday first baseman? Maybe. I think he can. I think there's a path for it. But I have a feeling that the Guardians were planning, like, whenever you hear trade rumors, first base comes up a lot. And, you know, we have Josh Naylor coming back from injury. He probably wasn't going to be ready to start this season, although he is, you know, posting some some batting cage videos and stuff like that on social media. Would he have been ready? That's eh, a tough call. Would Nolan Jones have looked at first base? You know, would the Guardians franchise looked at first base as a way to get Nolan Jones on the major league field? So there was going to be some competition there at first base, whether via trade, whether it's Nolan Jones. Uh, you know, do they continue to platoon Yu Chang at first base? You know, uh, Bobby Bradley is a lefty hitter. Yu Chang's a righty hitter. That makes a little bit of sense there. They did it starting the 2021 season. Would they do it starting the 2022 season? So there was definitely going to be a, some battles going on at first base. And I was excited for it. I was excited to see what Bobby Bradley was going to do coming into this season having a taste, a feel, now a good feel for Major League Pitching. What was he going to do? Would he be able to hold off the competition? Or would that turn into a timeshare? Uh, I only, I was also surprised that Ahmed Rosario uh, was never considered for first base. 
he's tall, 6'2". He's obviously athletic. Um, I thought it might be an interesting way to keep him in the lineup and keep him in the infield as opposed to moving him out to an outfield. Like he tried center field. There was talk about him trying left field. I don't know if that was smoke, if that was just reporters and podcasters speculating on ways to get Ahmed Rosario on the field with all these young shortstops coming up. But I thought it would be interesting to see what he could do at first base, given the fact that he's 6'2", right? He's actually taller than Bobby Bradley. You want a tall first baseman. It pays off. Nolan Jones is 6'4". So that's why first base sounds like a pretty good spot for Nolan Jones. If Jose Ramirez is your third baseman, Got to find a spot for Nolan Jones on this field. So, first base was my number three uh, camp battle that I was most looking forward to. Number two was, I'm going to call it second base slash utility infielder. Why? Because this is completely up in the air. And it also depends on whether Ahmed Rosario sticks at shortstop. Like, keeping Ahmed Rosario at shortstop made a lot of sense. It made him more comfortable at the plate hit over 300, like, there's, it's working. It's working there. So, how many of these guys get shuffled over to second base? Not to mention that you still have Yu Chang, Owen Miller, Ernie Clement, Andres Jimenez, four guys ready and willing to play second base. Then the young guys coming behind him, Ryan Rocchio, uh, Gabriel Arias, could those guys debut with the team at second base? Would that be possible? I don't know how much Arias has gotten to play second base. I know he's played a ton of shortstop down in the minors. Could he move over like Andres Jimenez was able to move over and play some second base? That is a lot of names. And a couple of them are going to be rotated in at second base, and a couple of them are going to be rotated in as utility infielders. And that is a lot of guys competing for kind of two spots on the roster. So, I mean, I, th- I still think Yu Chang makes total sense as the utility infielder guy just because he can play all four infield positions very well. His bat has always shown potential. It just always seems to come around late in the season. It's never there in April and May. Or, or I don't know. I don't even know how many April and Mays he's played. But, you know... In, in September, it looked okay, but can he keep it going for the whole season? Will Arias and Rokio be able to push through you know, to an opening day roster that already has a lot of second base types on it? Will Owen Miller live up to some of that potential when we traded from, you know, we got him from San Diego? You know, everything we heard about Owen Miller was this guy was a high contact guy, a high on base batting average kind of guy. And man, we watched that guy strike out a lot. In his first Guardian season, his, well, it wasn't a Guardian season, it was an Indian season, but in his first Cleveland season. Or is it just Andres Jimenez? Is the obvious answer the right answer in this one, right? Andres Jimenez has the most experience of these guys, and frankly, you know, it's a highly rated prospect. And is it just, does he stick with second base? Another guy we saw strike out, frankly, a lot, for, swung in some bad pitches. Uh, him and Owen Miller. Uh, I mean, Yu Chang went down hard to some strikeouts. Uh, we saw him chase a lot. So Ernie Clement, uh, I get, think gets lost in the shuffle a little bit there. Uh, he wasn't a highly he wasn't a highly regarded prospect that we traded for or anything like that. So I think he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Uh, 
of these names. So second base utility infielder, I mean, just the sheer number of guys competing was going to make it a really fantastic camp battle. And then my number one camp battle that I was looking forward to is the outfield. It's the whole freaking outfield. All right, maybe not center field. Miles Straw seems like he's got a pretty good handle on center field. I don't even think we've really seen the full potential of defensive Miles Straw. I remember those few games we played against Houston when he was still with Houston. He really, you couldn't hit anything to center field. He was going to run it down. There were no doubles in the gaps because he was going to run it down and catch it. I think that's why, you know, Miles Straw probably doesn't end up on a lot of Web Gems highlight videos because, frankly, he doesn't need to lay out for it. He just runs it down. Dude's blazing fast out there and really seemed to work as the leadoff hitter. So I think center field is pretty much set. But the corner outfield, my God, what a mess. You still have Oscar Mercado on this roster. They survived the 40-man the roster when they had to lock that down um, for the Rule 5 draft. You still have Oscar Mercado here. You've still got Bradley Zimmer here. Do those guys actually survive through spring training? Uh, for Mil Reyes, he's going to get his at-bats, whether it's a DH or right field. You know, I'm not looking at Fermil Reyes to be an everyday outfielder. Clearly, uh, he's going to be your primary DH, and we'll see how much outfield he gets. It probably depends on how much help they can bring in. Outfield is an obvious, obvious spot where the Guardians could spend some money on a free agent. Whether, you know, something tells me they're not getting Castellanos. Could they get a Conforto? Could they, you know, there's other guys out there that are probably attainable for what the Dolans are willing to spend. Even if it's a one-year deal, that's fine. Um, Or do one of the young guys, Stephen Kwan, who's been the quiet prospect climbing up the, you know, the rankings, or George Valera, the one everyone's talking about, do one of those guys just bust through and have such an incredible spring training that they can't keep him off the roster? That they win a left field or a right field job. You know, it feels like we've seen other Guardians prospects have really good spring trainings and it not make a difference, right? They don't get the chance. Bobby Bradley was the best example of this, I think, from the 2021 spring training, where it was just, it was clear that he was better than the options they had on the field and they didn't go with him. Does that happen to a Quan or a Valera? Do they keep him in the minors? even though they have made it plainly obvious that they are a better option than a Mercado or a Bradley Zimmer or whoever they go out and get on the trade market or the free agent market. So outfield was going to be the absolute number one camp battle because for some reason, the Guardians have never been able to figure out, Cleveland has never been able to figure out how to put a solid outfield out there since the 90s. Since you had Bell and Lofton and Ramirez across the outfield, they can't seem to get it right. All right, David Justice, throw him in there too. They can't seem to get it right. I mean, sometimes you get a Grady Sizemore in center field, and then you're struggling to figure out left field and right field. Sometimes you get a Michael Brantley in left field, and you're struggling to figure out center field and right field. They have not been able to put together 
three solid, good outfielders to really make this a competitive outfield in a long time. So, do Quan and Valera break through? Do Mercado and Zimmer hold them off? Or do they just go out and spend money on this outfield and bring in some help? That was my number one camp battle. So, there's a little taste of Guardians talk to get you through your day while we wait for this stupid, st- uh, terrible labor negotiation to finally work its way out, finally untangle this knot, finally get Major League Baseball back on the field. Let me know. If you go watch college games, if you go watch, if you get invested in your minor league team or your local independent team, whatever you do, maybe an international baseball league, whatever you do to pass the time, let me know. Hit me up, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. I'd love some advice where to turn my attention to. What should I be watching out there? Where can I find some good baseball uh, besides whatever the pitching ninja tweets out at me? At me. Um, yeah, sure. I'm open to some things this spring. Why not? Hit me up. All right. That is all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Hang in there. Stick with it. We'll be back talking baseball eventually. The thing we enjoy, the thing we love talking about. It'll be back. Maybe Phil and Louisville. Maybe something else will hold your attention until baseball comes back. Something tells me you're not walking away from the game. Something tells me if if anyone out there is listening to this podcast, you're not walking away from the game. We love the game of baseball. We might hate the people that are running it, but we love the game. So until next time. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Like I said, you can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>